Hi, this is Deborah, and in this episode of the Whipstitch Podcast, we're discussing the nine ways to instantly improve your sewing. Nine things you can do right now to make every project better. Welcome to Whipstitch, the podcast for thinking about sewing. I'm your host, Deborah Mobies. Better sewing is closer than you think. We all want to improve our sewing skills and make projects we're proud to show off. Um, Some of that is just practice. The more we sew, the more we learn, and our results improve over time as a consequence of repeated experience. Um, Some of that is mistakes. That the more times we make the same mistake, the more we begin to anticipate instances, opportunities, where that mistake could be pretty common. But... If you want to skip some of those mistake learning opportunities, how do we say that? Like some of those um, moments of improvement, there are some simple things that you can do right now that will dramatically improve your sewing instantly and make the path to better skills more enjoyable. I have a list of nine tips to give you, um, ways that you can immediately improve the results that you are getting without having to slog through trial by error. Number one, change your needle. Changing your needle is the simplest, least expensive fix there is for so many sewing problems. Changing your sewing machine needle can eliminate skipped stitches, fabric snags, broken thread. Um, Your machine needle should be replaced at least every third full bobbin, right? Um, I am not, I don't have like a chess clock or anything sitting next to my sewing machine keeping track of when I change my bobbin. And so my shorthand is every new major sewing project. Um, So not every like tiny mend or repair and honestly not every quilt block, but every new major sewing project. So every garment gets a brand new needle. Uh, And I I recognize that when I came to sewing, I was so budget-minded that the idea of going out and buying a package of sewing needles at the the fabric store or whatever, um, you know, they come in like packs of six usually, and that would be, I don't know, eight or nine dollars. That felt like a big investment to me when I first started sewing. I have since started buying them in bulk. Needles do come in sizes, and I recognize that I use a size 12 most often for the types of garments that I sew. Um, And I learned that you can online buy a pack of 100 for something like, I don't know, $16. So instead of 12 for 16, you can get 100 for 16 if you you wanna go ahead and, and buy them in bulk. That does make it more economical if the budgetary issues are of concern to you. If your machine, and this is something that took me years to understand because there are um, different brands of needles available. If your machine was manufactured in Europe, you will want to choose a European needle brand like Schmetz. If your machine was manufactured in Japan, you will want to choose a Japanese needle brand like Organ. Um, Janome and Brother sewing machines are manufactured in Japan. Most Berninas are still manufactured in Europe, and the needles that they are utilizing to test your machine before it leaves the factory are locally manufactured. So um, it, it generally is okay to interchange those needles if you have a bunch, certainly don't toss them out or throw them away. Um, but if you match the needle to the machine, you may have slightly better results. 
Tip number two, sharpen your shears. You already own a pair of sewing scissors, which you reserve only for cutting fabric. Um, We've all seen memes and jokes go around the internet about what happens to family members who inadvertently or intentionally utilize your sewing scissor for cutting paper. Um, But for all that you are protecting them from the unwelcome ministrations of family members, do you clean and sharpen them regularly? Um, Try cutting a soft, thin piece of fabric. Um, If you are living a dream life and happen to have some scraps of lawn lying around, which is a beautiful, tightly woven cotton, but very lightweight, um, that would be ideal. If the fabric folds between the blades of your shears when you go to cut it, then they need sharpening. It's a great, quick way of testing. Um, Sharpening your shears is a task to give to the professionals. You may Google tips and it will say cut sandpaper or cut aluminum foil. Those do not work. And they may give you a temporary edge, but it will be worn off the next time you use them. So really, you'll want to find somebody who will professionally sharpen your shears. I have tried buying a whetstone specifically for that. And again, it works-ish. It works well enough. It is nothing compared to having them sent out and properly sharpened. Um, Some local places like Williams-Sonoma that sharpen knives will also sharpen your shears. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live, we used to have a company that would come and pick them up from the fabric store and return them a week later. They have since gone out of business, unfortunately. And then I discovered sharpenbymail.com, not a sponsor, uh, just a service. They accept mail-in shears. So you package them up, you send them off, they will oil, sharpen, and mail them back. They usually have about a one-week turnaround time, very low rates, something like uh, between $12 and $20, depending on what you want to have sharpened. And they will do all sizes of shears, including pinking shears. Tip number three to instantly improve your sewing is press, press, press. Sewing, by definition, is the act of taking a two-dimensional fabric and creating a three-dimensional garment or object. Even a quilt, ultimately, is three-dimensional. And that means we end up with a lot of bits that stick out, that make curves, that overlap. There's only one way to ensure that every piece of fabric you're working with lands where it belongs as you move through the construction process, um, which is to press often and well. Um, Sometimes I tell the story about the first garment I made unsupervised, which is sort of like the first time your parents leave you home without a babysitter and you look around and think, uh, I could do anything right now. The first garment I made unsupervised was, heaven help me, um, a spaghetti strap crop top don't judge me um and it was it was a disaster it was a disaster no one had indicated to me in all the time that I had worked alongside someone else with close supervision to press the tissue paper pattern without steam to press the uncut fabric maybe even starch the uncut fabric before cutting out my garment So I took this wrinkly, tragic paper pattern and I pinned it to wrinkly, tragic fabric and I cut everything out and I could not for the life of me understand why the raw edges of the different pattern pieces didn't match up, why the notches weren't in the same places. And it was because I didn't even press before I started sewing, much less the interim steps. Use a little elbow grease as you press. Press at every step. I like a steam iron. Um, I have a really big, beautiful steam iron to which I am unnaturally um, invested. 
but you could also use a spray bottle. Some people prefer to set their iron without steam, i.e. as a dry iron, and then utilize a spray bottle of water, and sometimes a spray bottle of water with a little bit of essential oil in it for fragrance. Um, That gives them a little better control over where the steam is placed. Um, It allows you, using steam or using a spray bottle, allows you to open up the fibers and mold them to your liking before moving on to the next step. Tip number four to instantly improve your sewing, slow down. As appealing as it may be to whip up a new project lickety-split, speed is not related to skill in sewing. Speed is related to experience. And I'm going to repeat that because I feel really strongly about this, but I don't hear it said often enough. Speed has nothing to do with skill when it comes to sewing. Speed comes from experience. Some dressmakers are fast at their work, but you will notice that the best ones don't rush. They have enough experience to pace themselves as they sew. If you've ever watched a reality program like Project Runway or The Great British Sewing Bee, you will notice that the older seamstresses, the ones who really take their time as dressmakers, are the ones who get the best results. Take your time at each step. Maybe even space a project out over a series of days or weekends. This allows you to read instructions thoroughly, to leave margin for correcting mistakes, and it leaves room to enjoy the process. Um, Just like if you've ever renovated your house, uh, assume that your sewing project is going to take 50% longer than you predicted. (laughs) It might even cost more. You may have to go back to the store halfway through. If you go into it thinking that it's going to take longer, which is to say that if it takes longer than you want it to take, that's okay. It relieves some of the pressure to work fast, which allows you to work with pleasure. I am a huge proponent from the days when I taught school of process over product. Yes, we want the best product we can make. And that's what these nine tips are all about. They're about getting a better product. But if you are not enjoying the process, it kind of doesn't matter if you love the product. That emotional imprint of a bad experience is going to attach itself to whatever the thing was that you sewed until that's the thing you feel. That's the sort of your body's like carrying this frustration and anger and irritation every time you see that project later. Slow down. Take enough time that the process itself is enjoyable. Tip number five, use your seam ripper wisely. Mistakes happen. One of the best things about sewing is that unless you cut the fabric in the wrong spot, almost every error you make can be fixed with a seam ripper. So train yourself to evaluate a seam by asking, do I want to do this again? Um, And I asked that question because I taught school, I taught classes rather, I taught sewing classes for years and years and years and years. And I would experience students who would come in and get so angry at themselves if they made an error as they were sewing. And they would just be really hard. Oh, I'm, you know, and they would say all these things that Brene Brown tells us not to say, like they'd be hard on themselves. Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I suck at this. And I would say, what I hear you saying is you're dissatisfied with your results. The good news is we can fix this with your seam ripper. Take it out and do it again. Big deal. And then I would hear other students say, no, it's fine. It's not perfect, but it's fine. And, and the pendulum was sort of swinging the other way, which is they would make a mistake and they would want to leave it. But I knew from my experience that by the time that 
mistake was part of a project in a place where it couldn't be repaired, couldn't be undone, couldn't be corrected, that it might make them dislike the whole project. And a lot of us when we sew have a bad habit of tying our sense of our own ability, our sense of self and identity and worth and whatever, tying that to our most recent sewing project. So if we have one that's a failure, a lot of us are really hard on ourselves as human beings, which is like when you hear me say that, it's illogical, but that doesn't mean we don't do it. Um, so I, I started asking the question uh, on the other end of the pendulum. On the one end, we say, you know, what I hear you saying is you are dissatisfied with your results. Good news is we can fix the results. The other end of the pendulum is, do I want to do this again? That became a great shorthand way of evaluating, is this where I want to rip a seam out and do it over? And avoiding the temptation to ease into perfectionism, but also avoiding the temptation to um, to not improve our skills project after project. So sometimes it's not worth doing a seam over when you've made a mistake. A Halloween costume that's going to be worn one time and you got a janky seam allowance, that might not be worth doing over. Especially if you're sewing it, you know, at 5.30 on Halloween night. Um, other times, you feel dissatisfied with your work and you want a mulligan. You know, you want a do-over. When in doubt, rip it out. Um, but keep in mind that your sewing should nourish you. Ripping out stitches isn't a punishment. It is a chance to evaluate, evaluate where your skills can improve, embrace growth, and then challenge yourself to try new things. This episode of the Whip Stitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. The League of Dressmakers, a subscription club for the adventurous seamstress. Join our community for access to over 250 step-by-step -step sewing videos, live events, member support, and the encouragement to take risks with your sewing so you can sew fearlessly. Find us online at leagueofdressmakers.com. That's L-E-A. G-U-E of dressmakers.com. Tip number six, pre-shrink your fabric. Every fabric, whether it is a woven or a knit, is going to shrink when you clean it. Um, cutting into your fabric without pre-treating it means that your finished garment might not fit after the first cleaning. Um, I have a very clear memory of a precious, precious um, rayon baby doll dress that I had my second year of college and I adored it and I wore it absolutely beyond the limit of times you could wear something without laundering it and then I put it in the washing machine and I put it in the dryer keeping in mind this is the early 90s and this particular rayon shrank so much I am not exaggerating this whatsoever that uh, it wouldn't have fit my five-year-old sister <sighs> it was devastating um so have, had I shrunk that fabric beforehand, pre-shrink it, then when you cut it out, it's not going to shrink again. Most fabrics will only shrink once. So the rule of thumb is to treat your yardage the way you'll treat the finished garment. If it will be machine washed and dried when sewn, do that to the uncut fabric. I do this routinely every time fabric comes into my house. If I know that it is 100% cotton, 100% rayon or viscose, 100% linen, or any of those blends. I run the cut edges underneath the zigzag on my sewing machine to prevent any unraveling. And then I throw it in the washing machine on whatever setting I would ordinarily wash that garment on. And then I run it through the dryer. 
Um, if you have fabric that's going to be dry cleaned, for example, uh, a lot of people right now are sewing beautiful jewel-toned winter coats. Um, and if you are working on one of those and you've got a, a gorgeous wool, for example, you can take it to the dry cleaner before you begin. Or you can consider an at-home dry cleaning kit that goes through the tumble dryer. Either of those will treat the fibers in a way so that when it goes back to the dry cleaner or goes through your at-home dry cleaning kit in the tumble dryer, it's not going to shrink more so that all your hard work ends up unwearable. Um, if you're unsure of how to care for your fabric, do a burn test. And if you have not experienced the burn test, man, you are missing out. Um, I would actually love to do one uh, on video just to sort of show people what that looks like. Um, a burn test is just what it sounds like. You pull some fibers out of the fabric and you light them on fire and um, identify the fiber content that way. Super fun. Um, there are charts on the internet that can tell you what it looks like um, depending on the fiber that you've got. Tip number seven, use stabilizer spray. And this is not something I grew up doing at all. I kind of vaguely remember my mom having a can of like old school spray starch lemon scent on the end of the cutting board. Um, but the ironing at our house growing up was, <laughs> it wasn't punitive. It was a chores opportunity. I don't know if your family worked this way, but... Um, there were sort of standing chores that always needed to be done, and we were paid um, like piecework to do them, things that like my mom didn't want to do. And so she would say, every garment you iron is 25 cents, back when 25 cents meant something. Um, and so when, when you really had something that you had your eye on and wanted to buy or you were saving up, you would like just bite the bullet and go get that straw laundry basket and bring it over to the ironing board and go to town on whatever shirts or pants happened to be there. I remember there being a can of starch on the end of the ironing board. I do not remember using it. Stabilizer spray is something that was unfamiliar to me when I came into sewing. I met it um, when I met quilters. And when I started making quilts, stabilizer spray was this godsend for um, bias cut edges and for preventing stretch and for really squaring up a quilt block beautifully. And um, when you are cutting and pinning and stitching, your fabric can shift or warp. That's particularly true for any edge that's been cut at an angle. So if you cut an armhole or if you cut a half square triangle and you're going at a diagonal across the grain line of your fabric, you really can stretch out that cut edge without realizing you're doing it, which makes it hard to get a clean finish later. If you use a stabilizer spray, and there are a few different ones on the market, um, Best Press is one brand, Flatter is another, and they both have different fragrances that are delightful. Uh, you create, by adding the stabilizer spray at the iron and embedding it into the fabric, you create a crisper hand to the fabric. Hand is the sewing term we use to refer to the level of stiffness and drape that a particular fabric could have. That makes it a lot easier to manipulate without distortion if you crisp it up while you're sewing. Sprays should be used sparingly to prevent buildup on the iron itself because they can actually stick to the sole plate of the iron. They should always be used in conjunction with a heated iron that is set to mist into the fabric. Rather, you know, you don't want to like saturate the fabric and turn it into cardboard. You just want enough that it isn't going to shift. Uh, spread your yardage flat before cutting it out and mist it and then press it well. Let it cool and dry completely before you move to the next section, right? So 
I'm going to spray the fabric. It's going to be slightly moistened or dampened, you know. I'm going to press it. It's going to be hot. The fibers are more malleable when they are warm. That's why we use an iron. So I'm going to let them cool before I lift up that fabric and shift it on the ironing board and spray the next section. It's okay to press your fabric one day, set it aside and cut it out later. Nothing wrong with that. Again, we're going to take our time. Step number eight, tip number eight rather, clean your sewing machine. Um, I, I think we all know, <laughs> I think we all know intellectually that cleaning your sewing machine is a good thing to do. Not many of us do it habitually. Of all the videos I have ever put up on the Whip Stitch YouTube channel, how to clean your sewing machine absolutely ranks number one by like an order of magnitude, way over 300,000 views of people looking to say like, I know this is a thing I should do, but it's not something I'm actually doing. Uh, bits of thread and fluff fall into the bobbin case and below your throat plate as you sew. Over time, they can really gum up the works, but you're not going to see them. You know, it kind of caught inside all the mechanics there. By removing the lint from your machine, it works more reliably and you won't need major maintenance as frequently. And um, for me, I tend to delay major maintenance because I know that once that machine goes to the shop for even just like an annual checkup, I will not see it again for a month. I mean, I don't know what it is about every sewing machine repair shop, but the turnaround time is astronomical, probably because there are so few of them. I used to recommend canned air for this, and I had a lot of people push back and say, no, 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 don't do that. And they have convinced me. It took a, it took a while, but they've convinced me. Now I'm much more interested in using a vacuum with a tiny attachment. Um, Amazon actually has them available, and my local sewing machine repair shop does as well. I would always prefer to buy local if I can. Tiny little attachments that will go on your full-size sewing machine, and they look just like all the attachments that we're not using on our houses, like the ones that are supposed to clean your vertical blinds or whatever, um, but they're bitty bitty they've got like a little brush, and um, they attach to the, the suction end of your vacuum to pull all that lint out. Finally, tip number nine. Start where you are. Um, part of the fun of sewing is dreaming big. We get to imagine beautiful results, the feeling of accomplishment that comes from making our own clothing, becoming fearless as we go from our starting point to the realization of that dream is a process. It is so important to celebrate each stage along the way. When I taught classes at the Whipstitch shop here in Atlanta, for years and years, every intro to sewing class, the first night we would all sit down and I would say, what is your fantasy sewing project? What is the thing that from where you're sitting right now, you know, whether that's, I just bought my first sewing machine and it's still in the box. Wait, it plugs in. I didn't know they plug in to, you know, I used to sew, but I haven't done it in a long time to my mom wanted to teach me and I refused to learn like whatever your starting place is. What's your fantasy project? Is it, I want to sew a life-size replica of the Statue of Liberty? Or I just want to make drapes for my living room. Um, knowing that you could potentially do that is so ennobling and empowering and exciting and encouraging and invigorating that I have seen a number of students frustrated that they were not in that place right away after their first lesson. Rather than comparing your current project to your fantasy project, 
or even comparing your current project to what others are capable of making, and we're all guilty of that thanks to Instagram, look at what you've learned so far and how far you've come. Your sewing will instantly improve, I promise. The minute you give yourself room to start at the level you are and reach for what comes next, and then celebrate every mistake and every success in between the two, because they all mean that you are moving forward. Have fun sewing, you guys. The Whip Stitch Podcast is recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, and available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Download and subscribe for future episodes. For show notes and transcripts, visit whipstitch.com. Have fun sewing.